And we're joined by Anand Menon, Professor of European Politics at King's College London, Director of EU Inner Changing Europe. Good morning. Is he there? Where has he gone? We're trying to Hi, find Vanessa, him. Oh, hello, you? you are there. How great. Yes, I'm Go fine, ahead. thank you. And I hope you're well too. Um, let's first of all get some kind of overview. Why is Brexit suddenly squarely on the front pages again? And what is it that we need to A, know or B, fear, if anything? Well, it's back on the agenda because time is running short. Both sides have said that if we need a deal, we need to get it sorted by the end of October. Uh, What we need to know is there are real issues of principle between the two sides that make it hard for them to agree. And if they can't agree, we have a no-deal outcome which will be significantly disruptive for our trade with the EU and therefore for our economy. Right. So yet again, it's the Irish backstop or the Irish question. Gosh, that Irish question that has been going on now for so many hundreds of years. What is the latest kind of um, interpretation or, or, or controversy as far as Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland are concerned? Well, look, none of this is certain. There was a story that appeared overnight in the Financial Times that said that the government is planning to put forward legislation on Wednesday that would potentially undermine the deal that they signed with the European Union last year, which included the Irish Protocol. We'll have to see the legislation to see if that's true. And even if it is true, this might be just the government sabre-rattling to try and force the EU to move. But if indeed we end up passing this legislation that unpicks the agreement that Boris Johnson only signed a year ago, remember, that will have serious implications, not just for the negotiations with the with the European Union, but more broadly, for instance, Democrats in the US Congress have said they won't be uh, approving a trade deal with the UK unless the Irish are happy with the solution we found for the Irish border. So it sounds as if this is yet again an incredibly precarious and delicate tightrope that the Prime Minister is having to tread. We heard, and I'm sure you did, our Europe editor Katia Adler talking about trust issues, talking about um, dissatisfaction in Europe. I'm assuming you'll think that's hardly surprising. No, indeed, but there's a curious sort of vicious circle developing here, which is the less trust that the European Union has in the government, the more it will insist on binding guarantees in order to sign a trade deal, and therefore the less less likely a trade deal becomes, because the one thing this government insists on is the whole point of Brexit was to avoid being tied into a certain form of regulation by the European Union. So every single erosion of trust has consequences for the negotiations as well. Right. So... We have a date now from the Prime Minister. He says we need an agreement by the 15th of October. He says there's no sense in thinking about timelines that go beyond that point. We've had quite a series and volley of dates from him before. Everyone remembers last Halloween in particular, which came and went. Is there any point giving these dates? Are they just a kind of a a distraction of some kind or does he really mean it this time? What, what, because, he, because you might think, you know, you're hamstrung as soon as you give a date. If you don't make whatever it is happen by that date, you look a right Charlie. Yeah, there is that. But it's not a totally random date because on the 15th of October, the heads of state and government from the EU member states are due to meet. So you can envisage a situation in which Boris Johnson is invited to that meeting to hammer out a Brexit deal. And even if the full deal isn't done, they might come out saying we've agreed on enough to make us confident we can get this done. So I think what Boris Johnson is saying is by the time of that meeting, we need to have something. Because one of the problems with the Brexit process over the course of this year 
yep. has been that heads of state and government, senior politicians have not given it enough attention because of the coronavirus. Yeah. And unless senior politicians are involved in the process, neither side has the political authority to make the compromises we need to get a deal. So it makes sense to focus on that meeting, that summit that's going to happen in mid-October, I think. Okay. Now, some people will just feel as if Brexit is of much less significance than it was before coronavirus. They will be thinking what we're really aiming for here is, you know, personal survival. What we all want more than anything else is for our families to be healthy, those we love to be healthy, our colleagues and friends to be healthy and not to succumb to the disease. People are worried about, you know, a spike in the winter. They're concerned that schools will open only to close again. Our our paper reviewer has only just come out of yet another lockdown in Yorkshire. You know, people's lives are being so hugely affected by this virus. Do you feel that that means that kind of enthusiasm for Brexit, which was largely responsible, many people will say, for, for, for the Tory victory in the last election, has ebbed away? People have lost interest in it or don't care so much about it anymore? People have certainly lost interest. I'm not sure people have changed their minds on it. So I think Leavers will be pleased when the transition period is over. But bear in mind one thing about what you just said, which is this. The one part of our reaction to the pandemic that hasn't really kicked in yet is what happens when its economic implications become crystal clear. And most economists expect spiralling unemployment to be one of the impacts of this towards the end of this year. Mm -hmm. And it's here that Brexit and the pandemic, if you like, overlap. Because whilst the short-term impact of the pandemic will obviously be far larger than any economic shock we've experienced in our lifetime, the problem with Brexit is that most economists think if we leave with no deal, the medium-term impact of Brexit will be more severe than the impact of the pandemic. So in that sense the two aren't wholly unrelated because we have a weak economy already and one of the questions the government has to consider is whether it's worth having no deal on top of that at a time when our economy is already fragile. The Prime Minister says no deal would mean that we'd be in the same position for trade with the EU as Australia is. Is that correct A and B is that good or bad? Uh, Yes it is correct in the sense that Australia has no formal agreement with the European Union, but at the risk of stating the obvious, Vanessa, we're a lot closer to the European Union than Australia is. And what that means is a far, a far larger proportion of our trade is with the European Union than the proportion of Australia's trade. Australia has a trade deal with New Zealand, not surprisingly, because they're neighbours. So geography plays an important part in this, and I'm not sure it's a particularly helpful comparison in that sense. Thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Always make uh, something rather difficult and opaque a great deal clearer so we hugely appreciate it and on men on there uh, and he is of course a professor of European politics at King's College London